The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Now, among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will find it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said that it was thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Nor is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. The Gospel of the Lord. O oh Lord, may your word only be spoken, and may your word only be heard. In the name of Jesus Christ, the living word. Amen. Not too long ago, I had the following experience with my children. It was one of those relatively rare Saturday mornings where there was not anywhere to be at a particular time. There was no basketball, there was no hockey, there was no skating, there was no birthday party, there was nothing. Just waking up. And yet I had in my mind a list, an agenda of what needed to be accomplished. We needed to go to the dump. There were scattered library books all over the house. They were all overdue. Uh, we needed some eggs. We needed some milk. We had some furniture that I thought needed to go right away to Household Goods Recycling Ministry. And on and on I had, I had a list, an agenda. On the other hand, uh, my children had no such agenda. They had picked up pillows and were brandishing them with great and expectant vigor. You know, about pillow fights, right? <laughs> and I felt my chest and my shoulders tighten up. I felt my mean daddy voice gathering strength deep in my diaphragm. My need to be in total control, to be the boss, was coming on strong. And then, thanks be to God, there was a small thaw in the winter of my heart initially filtered through a lens of selfishness. If I just play a little bit now, they'll be compliant later. 
But thanks be to God, the thaw continued. And I thought to myself, do I want our day together to begin on a sour note and certainly go south from there? Do I need to be right? Do I need to be in charge? Do I need to be the boss? Or do I want to be happy? Do I want to be connected? Do I want to float in the merry chaos that life can be? And then, thanks be to God, the floodgates just opened and grace just spread around me. And I thought to myself, you know, I don't want to be fenced in. I don't want to stay separate. I don't want to withhold myself from this joyful enthusiasm that is right before my very eyes. And so I picked up my pillow. <laughs> and I wailed on them. <laughs> and I tickled them until they screamed for me to stop. And we had a fantastic day. A day full of life and vim and vigor. Definitely not the day I had planned. And I, that I had held on to so tightly. Those who love their life will lose it. And those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. You may be wondering how my rather lighthearted and mundane little story will hang together with this profound and kind of dark sentence from Jesus' mouth. It's worth pointing out that this statement that Jesus says is found in all four Gospels, twice actually each in Matthew and in Luke, which means that it's one of the most reliable of all the sayings that have been gathered together about Jesus, which means he likely repeated it many times, which means that we must need to hear it over and over again. It's also worth noting that this saying, each time it appears in the different Gospels, is put in slightly different terms. The way a teacher might put a concept in slightly different ways, depending on the day, depending on the class, depending on what part of the lesson that they're struggling with. In our uh, case, it, that matters, I think, also. But what matters also is the translation of the Bible that you're working with. And here's the saying that we hear, hear, just heard from John, uh, from Luke, uh, but from the message translation. And it goes like this. If you grasp and cling to life on your terms, you will lose it. But if you let that life go, you'll get life on God's terms. If you grasp and cling to life on your terms, you'll lose it. But if you let that life go, You'll get God's, you'll get life on God's terms. That morning, that Saturday morning, on my terms would have been a total loss. Instead, I got a day full of life and life abundant. I think it's important that we ruminate on the scriptures in light of our ordinary lives, in light of the mundane everyday events of our lives, which is, let's face it, what most of our lives are made up of. Nothing extraordinary, nothing heroic, just moment after moment in a life, each moment pregnant with possibility 
to meet the Holy Spirit, to meet the grace of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But having looked at the way Luke puts this phrase, maybe we can take a look back at John and see the way that he looks at it and maybe move a little bit away out of the ordinary. John in his gospel makes a big deal out of two worlds. There's the world that accepts Jesus and there's the world that does not. His gospel is full of of oppositions, of light versus dark, of life versus death, of good versus evil. And likewise, the whole world is divided into two worlds, the world that accepts Jesus and the world that does not. And that dichotomy is expressed in the way John, John puts it. He says, those who love their life will lose it. And those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Well, what if by this world, the phrase that John uses, what if by this world we mean something like the system? System with a capital S. Some of you who maybe lived through the counterculture years, um, 60s and 70s, may have heard or even used that phrase, the system. The system is what needs to be fought against, those powers and principalities that, that degrade and exploit the powerless and the voiceless, that, that ravage the earth without care, those, those forces that work against all of us, but especially against those who are powerless and voiceless and have no say. This world, the system. I recently read a wonderful book called The Warmth of Other Suns by Isabel Wilkerson. It, uh, I believe, won the Pulitzer Prize for history a year or two ago. And it's the uh, amazing story of the great migration of African-Americans from the South to cities in the North and in the West um, during the roughly 60 or so years between around 1915, World War I, up to the middle of uh, the 70s. And it's a rich, rich book filled with stories of the incredible bravery, the incredible bravery that it took to leave the South, to leave behind what one knew, but to search for a freer and more just life. And stories filled with the bravery that it took to remain in the South and fight for a freer and more just life. And of course, we know that took shape in the civil rights movement, those who worked in that movement hated this world. They hated the Jim Crow system that oppressed them and which, frankly, oppressed white people as well. That life was no life at all. It was death. And because those folks fought and hated this world, they were able to hold on to their lives, their dignity, and to bring into existence an entirely new way of being at great, great cost. We know that. But with great reward. They gave their lives and they gained their lives. This passage from the Gospel this morning comes from a pivotal point in Jesus' ministry. He is returning to face the system, if you will. He's returned to Jerusalem during the great festival of Passover when tens of thousands 
of faithful would have been there making their pilgrimage and the authorities would have been on high alert for troublemakers. Jesus faces certain death. He knows that. He is facing the system. And he chooses the death that leads to life in ways that he in his human self Remember, we proclaim that Jesus is both fully human and fully divine. In his human self, he couldn't fully have known the way that his choice that would lead to his death would bring life. Two thousand years later, we're preparing in our liturgical year to remember and participate in those events of the last week of Jesus' earthly life on Palm Sunday, next Sunday, and during Holy Week, we're reminded of the choices that Jesus made about life and about death. In our own lives, each of us has choices, large and small, choices to hold fast to life on our terms or to seek life on God's terms. I'm reminded of a brief passage in one of the chronicles of Narnia, uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. The first one, depending on how you order the seven books, but it's the first one that I read. I'm reminded of a brief passage from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which speaks to me about this choice between a life lived on our terms or a life lived on God's terms. And it's a conversation between Lucy... And Susan, you may remember that there are four children of Adam and Eve that come to Narnia. And they come to Narnia during the great winter. Narnia is locked in the grip of the white witch. And it's been winter. But there's uh, a rumor afoot that Aslan, who is a lion but is clearly the Christ figure in the book, that Aslan is afoot. And the talking animals are telling the children about Aslan and what he's like. So this is a conversation between Lucy and Susan and uh, Mr. and Mrs. Beaver. Remember, they're talking animals. So Lucy asks, is he a man? Aslan, a man, said Mr. Beaver sternly. Certainly not. I tell you, he is the king of the wood and the son of the great emperor beyond the sea. Don't you know who is the king of beasts? Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he, is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Oh, that you will, dearie, and make no mistake said Mrs. Beaver, if there is anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or just silly. Then he isn't safe. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he's not safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. 
No, he's not safe. But he is good. May Jesus help us in the way that is not safe, but in the way that is good. A way not on our own terms, but choosing life on God's terms. Amen.